0: This is the Oncocine Brief with Peter Hofflin and Sonia
1: Portillo. In this edition of the Oncocine Brief, I talk about the development and manufacturing of cell therapies. Traditionally, the foundation of cancer treatment included surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation therapy. But over the last few decades, targeted therapies, drugs that specifically target molecular changes seen primarily on cancer cells, have become a standard treatment for many cancers. In addition, over the past several years, immunotherapies, therapies that are designed to use the power of a patient's own immune system to attack cancer, have emerged as a new treatment option. One of the rapidly emerging immunotherapy approaches is called adoptive cell transfer. It is based on collecting and using a patient's own immune cells to to treat their cancer. Although there are several types of these therapies, one approach that has advanced the furthest in clinical development is called chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy, also referred to as CAR T-cell therapy. In 2017, as a result of the remarkable responses seen in some patients, both in children and adults, two CAR-T cell therapies were approved by the Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA, in the United States. One treatment was approved for children with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and the other for adults with advanced lymphomas. But given the unique and personalized approach, the manufacturing of cell therapies is expensive and complex. One reason is that because CAR T-cell therapies are hyper-personalized using a patient's own T-cell, it may take three to four weeks, and sometimes even longer, to manufacture such a personalized and unique treatment option. And the manufacturing comes at a high price tag. So, scientists started to look for alternatives. Scientists at Squeeze Biotech, a privately held clinical stage company, are developing transformative cell therapy candidates for patients with cancer, and other serious diseases. I talked with Dr. Armand Sharet, the Chief Executive Officer of Squeeze Biotech, whose cell engineering platform was named as a top ten world changing technology by Scientific American in twenty fourteen. Squeeze Biotech's approach could provide treatment options for patients across many different diseases, including, but not limited to cancer and hematological malignancies. I'm Peter Hoffland, and this is the oncogene brief? The oncogene brief is developed in collaboration with our online journal Oncogene at www.oncogene.com, where you can find additional information and the latest news about cancer, cancer diagnosis and treatment, and cancer prevention. With me on the phone is the founder of Squeeze biotechnologies. It's Dr. Armand Charay. He um, is the chief executive officer of the company since 2015. He is a fellow at Harvard Medical School, holds a Bachelor of Science with honors and distinction from Stanford University and a PhD from MIT. Welcome to The Youngest in Brief, Dr. Charay.
2: Thanks for having me, Peter.
1: So, in the introduction... We will talk a little bit about uh, different approaches to, to uh, cell therapies, among other things, cartel. But before we go on to talk about that, we have a pandemic, uh, the COVID-19, uh, the um, terrible thing that's is really hitting everybody here in the United States and around the world. How are you and your family coping?
2: So far, so good, luckily. I mean, I think the work from home elements have worked. And fortunately, our kids are too young for school, so it hasn't been as disruptive them as I think it has been for some other families where they're rediscovering what it is to try to teach their um their teenagers or elementary school kids at home so on that front i think we've uh we've we've done quite well and on the company side we've certainly been trying to keep everything moving because after all we are doing this right now primarily in the service of cancer patients and while there's the unfortunate elements of the pandemic going on and more patients in need than before the, uh, the cancer patients were hoping to still have their tumors. And we need to, we need to do our yeah. part to help contribute to solving that.
1: Yeah, I mean, people often uh, with all the news about COVID and, and the, uh, the vaccines and the therapies that are out there, uh, you would almost forget that the world continues having people that are getting sick or are sick. And it seems to be only focusing around COVID, but not necessarily about other therapies. Uh, but fortunately, you guys are continuing developing also uh, the drugs that are outside of the COVID realm, um, and that's a good that's good news for cancer patients and and also patients uh, who are probably suffering from other infectious diseases that are out there. Now, in the introduction, I mentioned something about the complexity and the expenses of for 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 a certain uh, cell therapies, including CAR-T cell therapies. And now you are doing something unique. You're doing something different in terms of manufacturing with Squeeze Biotech. Before we're going to talk about what you're doing and and how you're doing this, give me a quick overview, a little introduction, to, so to speak, of Squeeze Biotech. What are you doing? What are some of the recent milestones uh, that you've been able to reach?
2: So as you mentioned, I think cell therapies overall are A new field in biology that could really lead to therapeutics that can take us way beyond what the small molecules and biologics that the world has had so far can do. And I think CAR Ts are an interesting and impactful first manifestation of that. But ultimately, when it comes to cell therapies, there's a lot of limitations in what people can engineer about cells right now and how practically they've been implemented. So, as you've pointed out, the costs and complexity involved with some of these cell therapies like CAR Ts, or the safety issues that come with their administration have certainly been a challenge. And right now, while they work for certain indications, they generally have not been able to have an impact beyond a narrow set of patient populations. And so with Squeeze, what we discovered is this squeezing technology during my PhD at MIT, where we saw that if you take cells and run them through a constriction, A microfluidic constriction at high speeds, you can disrupt their membrane temporarily such that anything that's outside goes in. And what this has meant in the context of cell therapies is that you now have a pretty rapid system that can deliver basically anything you want into any cell type you want. And that allows you to engineer many different functions about cells that people couldn't engineer before and do it all in a practical format. Um, So when we started the company in 2013 and eventually decided to focus on therapeutics in 2015, our goal has always been to create a new generation of cell therapies that can treat a much broader set of patients um, leveraging these novel biologies, but also do it in a very practical way. That means that you don't have to do the preconditioning or you don't have to go through hospitalization the way that uh, there's a very burdensome patient experience right now for cell therapies. And also ultimately, do the manufacturing in a way that is really fast and much more cost-effective than what exists today. So for us, our manufacturing is under 24 hours, and our ultimate goal is to actually implement it for on-site production. So at Squeeze, we've been working along this path to creating this new generation of cell therapies. And the um, program I think we'll talk about in a bit is our initial program is using our Squeeze APCs to address certain solid tumors, the HPV-positive solid tumors, and ultimately expands in many different tumor types within that program. But then we also work on infectious diseases as well as autoimmune diseases for our immune tolerance work. Right.
1: And, and in that development that you do, of course, that uh, doesn't come cheap. Uh, the Early development of, of drugs and, and new therapeutics cost, cost a lot of money to actually establish Earlier this year, you had a successful, uh, I think it's one of the milestones for your company for this year, although not a therapeutic milestone, but definitely a, a good milestone to complete a $65 million Series D preferred stock financing option. Tell me about the importance of that for your company.
2: Yeah. So as you, as you pointed out, developing new therapies uh, doesn't, doesn't come cheap, and it, it takes a village to make all of this happen. And the investors are certainly a important part of that. So um, the $65 million Series D this year cumulatively has uh, has meant that now Squeeze has raised just over $165 million in equity financing overall throughout its history. And this really has enabled us to do the preclinical development for these programs. And now with the most recent financing, carry it through a lot of the clinical development to actually show that this can have an impact in patients. And In addition to that, I think more recently, the other milestones were that at the end of 2018, we had a substantial expansion of our collaboration with Roche, which is now under a $1 billion plus collaboration with them on our lead program with the squeeze APCs. And the other big thing for us in 2020 has been that this was the year that we actually went into patients. So in January was um, Mm -hmm. when the first patient got treated with A squeeze program. And despite COVID, um, luckily we've been able to continue to work and keep the program going and enroll patients. And actually that's been one, a silver lining of COVID for us has been that it's highlighted just how different the squeeze cell therapies are because for example, a typical CAR T therapy requires immune ablation, which means you immune compromise your cancer patients in the context of a pandemic, whereas with squeeze, we don't need to do preconditioning. So from a patient and clinician perspective, this was a much um, safer option to pursue given the pandemic situation. And then in addition to that, because we don't uh, expect to hospitalize patients as a result of our treatment, whereas most cell therapies right now do involve a significant hospitalization stint, you again are not taking up capacity at hospitals in a pandemic situation or prolonging the exposure of the patient to the hospital environment, which could be risky um, in these contexts.
1: Let's take a break. And then we're back with Dr. Armin Charay, the Chief Executive Officer of Squeeze Biotech.
3: Each day researchers make new discoveries that bring us closer to the moment when all cancer patients can become survivors. Some days they take small steps. Others huge discoveries lead to giant leaps forward. This progress, both small steps and giant leaps, happens with the help of clinical trials. Clinical trials are a fundamental path to progress and the brightest torch researchers have to light their way towards better treatments. And if you've been diagnosed with cancer, they may be your brightest ray of hope. Clinical trials introduce new hope in addition to the current standard of care by allowing researchers to provide participants access to cutting edge and potentially life-saving treatments. So if you're interested in exploring new treatment options while helping to light the path for other patients, clinical trials may be the best choice for you. Speak with your doctor and visit standuptocancer.org slash clinical trials to learn more about clinical trials. Together we can stand up for all of us.
0: This is the OnCogene Brief with Peter Hofflin and Sonia Portillo.
1: If you're just joining us, this week we talk with Dr. Armin Charay, the Chief Executive Officer of Squeeze Biotech. Squeeze Biotech is a clinical stage company developing transformative cell therapy candidates for patients with cancer and other serious diseases. The company's cell engineering platform was named as a top 10 world-changing technology by Scientific American in 2014. How difficult is it in in this particular landscape with covid uh, to recruit patients. I, I can imagine that, the, the, of course, the the way to recruit patients and the ability to recruit patients uh, may have changed as a result of this pandemic, but how difficult or easy is it now to, to do that?
2: It has certainly slowed things down. So I think, thankfully for us, the substantial interest in the trial and the elements I mentioned as far as us not putting the patients at risk, at further risk in the context of a pandemic, has meant that We've continued to have interest and continue to enroll patients. But some of the challenges it poses is, for example, with an early stage trial, there's only so many sites you may have throughout the country. So patients who may need Mm -hmm. to travel to get the therapy may opt not to or may opt to delay treatment. So that's one example of where it causes disruption. Hospital sites certainly do their best to treat all of their patients, not just their COVID patients, but With the disruptions that go on, sometimes hospitals will have blanket rules where they will freeze initiation of new trials or really deprioritize them. So again, thankfully, because of the interest in our trial, we didn't have significant disruptions with this. But for those various factors, it slows things down. And finally, as a cell therapy, you, in our current format, you ship materials to and from the site. Um, so the patient cells, when they get extracted, they get shipped to our manufacturing site and then get shipped back. So with commercial flights being reduced, it has made the logistics a bit more complicated. Um, but our team has done a great job of making sure that didn't ultimately become a barrier and being creative about how to solve. Uh, the problem of making sure we can get the patient cells to and from our site in a timely manner to make sure we, they can get their treatment
1: right well that's that's definitely good news now we refer to car t cell therapies um, and obviously other than being expensive and complex to manufacture as we we you mentioned there is a difference between what you do and car t cell therapies not only the manufacturing but it's 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 different but in both cases it's what we would call um hyper personalized approach to to uh, to therapy because it it's based on 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 the patient's um own T-cells or blood that is being taken, I assume, also in your case. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about the differences and uh, what those differences actually mean.
2: Sure. So in the context of a cell therapy like a CAR-T, people are generating patients' T-cells with a certain specificity to the tumor and injecting them back in. So you're directly injecting the cell type that's going to try to go kill The tumor cells. And in our case, thanks to the biology we can engineer, we can actually work in a step, in in the prior step in the process. Because naturally, if you think about how your immune system mounts a response, you have what are called antigen presenting cells whose job it is to show uh, disease targets to your T cells and then drive their response against the disease. So, for example, when you catch a cold, what will happen is that your antigen-presenting cells will capture pieces of the virus, show it to your T cells, and induce a response, and that's what will destroy it. Um, And this is what a vaccine concept is. So immunologically, you refer to these as vaccine concepts, or in this context, a cancer vaccine. So the way our process works is that instead of engineering the T cells directly the way a car does, we engineer APC functions, which means that we take blood from the patient, we give these cells the antigen, um, which is the tumor target that we want the system to go after, and then when we inject these APCs back into the patient, these APCs are going to present that tumor antigen or tumor target to the patient's own T cells and drive their activation such that they will then go and hunt down and destroy the tumor. And the benefit of this is that it allows you to go through a much more physiological path where it's much closer to nature as far as how your body would respond. And in that sense, it really reduces the safety concerns um, associated with this, but also lets you potentially target a much wider range of tumor types. Um, And that's illustrated by the fact that, for example, as a starting point, we're going into solid tumors. So these HPV positive tumors that our first program pursues are things like head and neck, cervical, anal cancers, etc., And ultimately you can apply the same principle to many other tumor types. So this is the one that we're proving it in, but from there we can go into many other tumor types. And finally, the other benefit of this kind of an APC approach is that you, by taking a physiological approach to it, you are a lot more likely to form memory in your response. So if you think about how your childhood vaccines work, you take it, you know, once or twice and then you're immune for life essentially. Um, And so, because this is a very analogous mechanism, it can allow you to produce durable memory against those targets such that you could potentially have a very prolonged benefit um, in ways that aren't possible with existing cell therapies. So, that intersection of novel biology and manufacturing practicality means that this could ultimately treat a lot more patients and do it in a much more patient friendly manner from a side effect and convenience perspective, and also allow the manufacturing and operational side of it to be a lot faster because we eliminate a lot of the time-consuming and expensive steps that are involved with a car team manufacturer.
1: Now, one of the things that you mentioned is uh, you, t- you refer to a vaccine. Now, most people, uh, you mentioned that, might think about your, your childhood vaccinations but obviously, the kind of vaccine that you're talking about is a therapeutic vaccine, right? It's, it's not the same. Uh, it's, it's a different approach to vaccination. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Exactly, yeah. So that's a very important point where what we're talking about is therapeutic vaccines. So things like our childhood vaccines, which are prophylactic vaccines, are designed to induce a certain type of immune response, which is primarily an antibody response and a CD4 response. These mechanisms can be very good at protection if they're given before a disease occurs. But once you have a disease, be it a cancer or an infectious disease, those CD4 and antibody responses are insufficient, which is why if you go to the doctor and you have, you know, let's say, hepatitis B, you, them giving you the vaccine is no longer going to do anything. Or if you have HPV, them giving you the vaccine is no longer going to do anything, Once you already have a disease, your CD8 T-cells become very important. So your CD8 T-cells are your killer T-cells. And conventional mechanisms for vaccination have not been able to really induce a meaningful CD8 response. Um, So that's why your conventional vaccines don't work after someone already has a disease. Or there's been a lot of attempts in the cancer vaccine space where people have tried to adapt some of these conventional methods to be used in a therapeutic context, and it hasn't worked because they can't get the CD8 response. And with squeeze and the biology we enable, we can engineer the critical pathway within APCs, which is called MHC class one presentation, to drive a much more effective stimulation of these CD8 T cell responses. So in our preclinical work, we've shown that we're about a thousand times more effective at inducing a CD8 response relative to these conventional techniques. And we think that is what can potentially make a big difference for these patients, both in oncology and infectious diseases, whereby being able to turn on the critical response to drive a therapeutic benefit, you can now actually go and combat these tumors or these infectious diseases with the patient's own immune system.
1: So that is again, it's, it's, it's um, um, not a conventional approach, but it makes it a, very exciting. Let's take a break. And then we're back with our interview with Dr. Armin Sharay. Dr. Sharay is the chief executive officer of Squeeze Biotech, a clinical stage company developing transformative cell therapy candidates for patients with cancer and other serious diseases. The company's cell engineering platform was named as a top 10 world-changing technology by Scientific American in 2014. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is The Youngest in Brief.
3: The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is encouraging cancer patients and survivors to be extra cautious during the COVID-19 pandemic. Cancer treatment, especially chemotherapy, weakens the immune system, making you at higher risk of severe illness. Dr. Lisa Richardson is director of the CDC's Division of Cancer Prevention and Control.
0: Take these steps to stay healthy. Wash your hands often with soap and water. Clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces daily. Stay home. If you must leave, keep at least six feet between you and others. Avoid touching your face, eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. If your temperature is 100.4 or higher, call your doctor. Use CDC's coronavirus self-checker to help you make decisions about seeking medical care.
3: Make sure your caregivers and household members are aware of your higher risk and take precautions. Visit cdc.gov/coronavirus and preventcancerinfections.org for more health tips.
0: This is the Oncazine Brief with Peter Hofflin and Sonia Portillo.
1: And welcome back. I'm Peter Hoffland and this is the youngest in brief. Talking about exciting you have a therapeutic candidate you refer to that uh, in HPV talk with, with me with me a little bit about HPV and why this is a an unmet medical need uh, which you focused on.
2: Sure. So I think as you've probably come to appreciate from our overall mechanism this APC mechanism can ultimately be directed at many different types of tumor targets. Now, when it came to how we were thinking about the first place we wanted to apply it to, we wanted to go in a space that was certainly a significant unmet need, and we wanted it to be a space that is fairly immunologically defined, which therefore allows you to best understand how the mechanism is working in a human context so that you could understand it And quickly implemented for these other tumors as well. So for HPV positive tumors, there's over 35,000 patients a year in the U.S. that are that have these HPV positive tumors. And unfortunately, despite there now being a pretty effective prophylactic vaccine for HPV, the cancer patient population is not going to be going away for a while because it's usually younger children that get vaccinated with this, whereas Older generations that didn't have the vaccine uh, already have the HPV infection, and for the next decade or two to come, they will continue to suffer from this challenge. Um, and it represents a breadth of tumor types. So the majority of head and neck cancers, cervical cancers, and anal cancers, as well as some vulvar, vaginal, and penile cancers, are driven by HPV. So for us, this was a really compelling first indication to pursue, so that we can make a difference for a meaningful group of patients, but also do it in a context where you can really measure these T-cell responses in the person and use that knowledge to then quickly optimize and implement this for many different tumor types.
1: Now, uh, when you talk again about HPV, you're, you have this, this, this first candidate. Uh, it's uh, called Squeeze PBMC HPV. Now, you're in, um, in early phase or uh, phase one clinical trials? Tell me a little bit about development in in this process, because obviously you are now in patients. What are some of the early things that you've seen?
2: Like you mentioned, we are in our phase one trial. And thankfully, despite coronavirus, we've been able to continue treating patients during this time. And one of the big questions going into this with a cell therapy and a novel mechanism really comes down to, does the manufacturing play out in the way you would like? And are there any unexpected uh, toxicity consequences in these patients? And thankfully, it has become pretty clear at this point that the manufacturing side has been holding up, has been holding up great, where for every patient that we've dosed so far, we've manufactured it in under 24 hours. Um, none of them need to get preconditioning. We don't need post-treatment hospitalization. So it very much has been living up to its promise so far, to the extent we understand it, as far as being a cell therapy that from a patient perspective is a much more tolerable and palatable experience. uh, And then also from a system and cost and time perspective is very practical to administer. Now, towards the end of this year, we'll we'll start to gain a sense for its potential efficacy and what dosing regimens or stages of tumors can be best impacted with this first version, but we've been really happy with how the trial has unfolded so far, given that it is a novel cell therapy platform. It really seems to be living up to the differentiated promise we believe these squeeze cell therapies have relative to something, uh, relative to the cell therapies that exist today.
1: Right. Now, one of the things that, uh, if you compare this uh, with uh, CAR-T cell therapy, for example, um, is the long production time you you can do that in a relatively short time um, if you look at car t cell therapies uh, that may take four, five, six, seven weeks depending on the kind of therapy it is how important that is is that for the the category or the the, the kind of patients that you look to treat look forward to treat
2: so yeah i think that 's a critical point and and I think there's two factors that together really matter in our car t world today one of them is the time that it takes to produce this. So your patient needs to wait. And a lot of these times the patient can't afford to wait the four to six weeks it might take to produce their product. Like they need some kind of treatment. This extended manufacturing time also drives a cost that can become potentially unsustainable for the system or as a commercial product, because it is very expensive to do this kind of personalized long timeframe manufacturing And then finally, the other piece is the preconditioning regimens and toxicities associated with these cell therapies, which make it a significant risk for the patient. So collectively, these have meant that these cell therapies today and CAR-Ts are only really a viable option at the last line, um, meaning that a patient has already uh, failed multiple lines of treatment and this is kind of the last resort. Um, Only at that point does one really justify the um, safety risks the patient as well as the time and cost to do such a thing. Now, our vision for the squeezed cell therapies is that we really want to solve all three of these problems. And from the trial so far, luckily, it looks like we really do have the opportunity to solve these because from a time perspective, for us, our manufacturing is under 24 hours, which means that not only is the manufacturing very fast, um, but it can be by far more cost effective than what people do today just because it's so short. Um, And already in our phase one trial, we've been getting material to patients for their first dose within a week, which means that they really don't need to wait a significant amount of time to receive it. And like I had alluded to before, we don't do any preconditioning. So while a CAR-T patient right now, after they go through the prolonged manufacturing process, needs to come in, get immune ablated, which has serious immune compromising side effects and then get a CAR-T administration that's going to hospitalize them due to the cytokine storm issues. In our situation, the patient had their cells manufactured and come back to them within a week. They don't need to be preconditioned. They just come in on the day of administration. It's a relatively quick syringe push. So it's not even multiple hours on a chair. It's just under five minutes. They Mm -hmm. get an injection through the syringe and then they're done because there is no expected serious cytokine storm or anything like that. They can Walk out that day, and I think this is really moving more towards what cell therapies can and should be, relative to what they are today. And an important piece to us in the long run is to bring the manufacturing even closer by having these on-site units that can just manufacture the patient's product in a standardized and safe way at the point of care, um, which would further cut down the cost and complexity of administering these cell therapies and make it pr- very practical from a patient and system perspective to administer these at earlier lines of treatment. Because ultimately, a cell therapy, I think, is mechanistically can be a lot more powerful than a chemo um, or other regimens that people use in early lines. Um, so if you can make them practical and effective, they could be one of the first options you have um, for treatment when you, when you get diagnosed with a disease. So that,
1: that is changing uh, the landscape a little bit. It's, it's not uh, that often that you hear about uh, personalized therapies to be uh, developed on the point of care. Uh, that is a unique approach, I think, to, uh, to look forward to. Let's take a break. And then we're back with our interview with Dr. Armin Sharay. Dr. Sharay is the chief executive officer of Squeeze Biotech, a clinical stage company developing transformative cell therapy candidates for patients with cancer and other serious diseases. The company's cell engineering platform was named as a top 10 world-changing technology by Scientific American in 2014. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is The Youngest in Brief.
0: All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Programme is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. This is the Encuasine Brief with Peter Hofflin
1: and Sonia Portillo. If you're just joining us, this week we talk with Dr. Armin Charay, the Chief Executive Officer of Squeeze Biotech. Squeeze Biotech is a clinical stage company developing transformative cell therapy candidates for patients with cancer and other serious diseases. The company's cell engineering platform was named as a top 10 world changing technology by Scientific American in 2014. Now, you are developing, I mean, this particular HPV uh, drug is in clinical trials, uh, but that's not the only drug that you're developing. Um, you have, if uh, I'm if consulting your pipeline of different drugs, you are looking at a whole array of, of uh, treatment options within oncology and infectious diseases. And I think if you saw something particular focusing on gene therapy, Tell me a little bit about uh, your plans in in, in this particular area. Uh, What are your expectations? Because most most of the drugs are still in in early phase, uh, preclinical, so they're not necessarily in humans yet. Um, But tell me a little bit about the progress that you're making.
2: Sure, Um, so I think all of our pipeline follows the same theme of trying to create cell therapies that are ultimately going to have a really powerful biological impact for the patient and their disease, while remaining practical and safe um, with how they're done. And so with the APC platform that we've been talking about, which is the basis of the current trial for HPV positive tumors, that same mechanism is directly relevant to infectious diseases, be it your chronic infectious diseases, like your hepatitis B, your HIV, et cetera, or some of your acute infectious diseases like um, flu or the infamous coronavirus at this point, So it is something where now that we've been gaining more of that real-world patient experience with the APC platform, we're also starting to do more and more work to develop it for use in infectious diseases. Over there, we would likely start with one of the chronic infectious diseases, so something like a hepatitis B or an HIV, because in the end, the CDA T cells that you generate in a a cancer patient, you would direct them against a tumor. In an infectious disease patient, you would Direct them against the virus or the bacteria that's driving it. So, within the APCs, that's what we're looking to do. And while the HPV program is in trials as we speak, the infectious disease version of it would have its IND next year. Now, beyond that, we are engineering another platform to induce a therapeutic vaccine response, and that is our AACs or activating antigen carriers. Over there, we're engineering red blood cells and leveraging certain mechanisms involved with red blood cell destruction uh, to drive a strong immune response against the targets of interest. And that is something that is going to have its IND at the end of the year. So we would definitely be dosing patients next year for that program. And that would be, again, being implemented for these HPV-positive tumors as a first point, but then very quickly also be transitioning into other tumor types like KRAS-driven tumors. So that's um, significant subsets of pancreatic, colorectal, lung cancers, etc. And then finally, one of our earlier stage activities is in immune tolerance. So everything we've talked about so far is all about turning on an immune response in a powerful way, but the mirror of those mechanisms allow you to turn off immune responses in a very target-specific way. And this can be tremendously impactful for various autoimmune diseases like type 1 diabetes, where it is a self-immune response that is driving the disease. So if we can leverage these squeeze-based mechanisms to shut down those immune responses, we can potentially have really impactful treatment for those patients. And that's why the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation has been a strong supporter of squeeze since 2016, I believe, or 2017 when we first started working with them, and they've been um, involved in really helping to finance and drive some of our activities in the autoimmune space, particularly aiming towards type 1 diabetes. And to your reference point on gene therapies, that same mechanism for shutting down immune responses can actually be applied potentially to shut down immune responses against gene therapy vectors. So this is something that we're working with Ask Bio in our collaboration, where the goal is to leverage squeezes immune modulation to shut down responses against gene therapy vectors. Because in that field, repeat administration of these therapies is a serious issue because the patient develops an immune Mm -hmm. response against the therapy. Um, So if we can use this to tolerate against it, it will really be able to prolong the benefit for those patients.
1: So if I uh, listen carefully to uh, your, your what you talked about, how you discussed your pipeline, uh, very interesting, not only in oncology and uh, in hematology, some of the things in, in liquid uh, tumors in that respect, uh, but in a whole array of different uh, disease uh, categories uh, that really in need for, for a therapeutic approach. So you mentioned about uh, the HP vaccine or the HP drug, that that's going to be to the next phases in, in, in clinical trial development. Now, this is very early still. It's in phase one. But if you have to look in the future, uh, what are your expectations? When, if everything is successful, can we see something like this in, in the clinic?
2: You, you mean for the lead program and kind of what is the timing yes. of that? To yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so for the HPV-focused program, we should have data towards the end of this year um, that really tell us how well is this mechanism working and is it working as expected. And from there, it could um, very rapidly pave a path to expanding on that trial and working towards initial approvals because we really are bringing a very unique mechanism to bear where if it's successful, it could be very impactful. for these Mm -hmm. patients. So once we have those data, it'll be clear just how quickly we'll be able to get to those next stages because if it's uh, working perfectly off the bat, it could be an extremely fast point to getting it as broadly as possible to patients. Um, If there are certain things that we need to tweak about it because it is the first implementation of a novel mechanism and novel platform, then that is something that We're certainly committed to, and Roche, our partner, has also been very supportive in this because they also really see the broad potential of what this can be, not just for these HPV positive patients, which are already solid tumors, but what this would mean for many other tumor types if you show it works in this first context, because it's very plug and play to just swap in different tumor antigens and redirect the mechanism to attack relevant tumor targets and and many other indications
1: right so that's um, a very interesting future definitely something to look forward to Armand, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning Um, and uh, really appreciate uh, you explaining a little bit about the technology about the company progress you're actually making in in the development of these uh, using this unique technology in the development of new and 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 better medications uh, to treat people thank you very much
2: Thanks a lot, Peter. Thanks for having me.
1: In today's edition of the Oncogene Brief, I spoke with Dr. Armand Charay, the Chief Executive Officer of the Squeeze Biotech. For more information about the company, visit the company's website at squeezebiotech.com. That is S Q Z biotech.com. For us here at Yonkers in Brief, we want to thank you, our listeners, sponsors, and advertisers, for your ongoing support. Your support makes it possible that you can hear this program via PRX Public Radio Exchange and in the United Kingdom and mainland Europe via UK Health Radio. And you can also download our program via podcast and stream media, including iTunes and Spotify. For more information about supporting the Oncogene Brief, go to the oncogene Brief at oncogene.com That is O-N-C-O-Z-I-N-E dot com. If you're living in the United States and want to receive our newsletter, text the word CANCER, C-A-N-C-E-R, to 66866, and we will make sure that you'll receive our newsletter, which includes an overview of the latest news in oncology and hematology. Thank you. Thank you all. And thank you for listening and join us again for our next episode. I'm Peter Hoffland, and this is the Onkazine Brief. The Onkazine
0: Brief is produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hoffland, Sonia Portillo, Evan Wint, David Kaler, and distributed by InPress Media Group. Support for the Onkazine Brief comes from listeners of this station and our commercial underwriters and advertisers. For more information about underwriting and sponsoring options, visit our website at oncazine.com forward slash underwriting. The Oncazine Brief contains health and medicine related information and is provided for educational and entertainment purposes only. The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health. If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her about it.